This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, what's going on, beautiful people? The NBA season is in full swing. Welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hoop. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Brother Kings. What is going on with you, my man? Man, they got me. They got me in a pack tonight, bro. Man, you know we we're not we're not going to address that on wax. You stick to hoop. <laughs> you gonna stick to hoop? Fighting for my life, but we gonna stick to hoop. I'm doing good though. All right, dude. Hopping right into it, man. We dealing with these uh, with the Lakers. Um, towards the end of their long road trip uh, last week, they took the first back-to-back L's with Philadelphia and Detroit, did respond with a win at the Boston Celtics in, in tough fashion. Even after that tough little stretch, Lakers are tied for first in net rating in the NBA with the L.A. Clippers. They are first in defensive rating by a couple points. Um, just real quick, or just however you want to go into it, uh, what, what is your takeaway on this road trip so far? Uh, I like... I like their defensive consistency. Um, for all the talk about losing Dwight Howard and losing JaVale McGee, their interior defense is still really good. Uh, Marcus Hall is really smart on contesting shots without um, jumping. Um, nothing, Not enough can be said about uh, Schroeder and Caruso. Uh, those are all NBA defensive guards. Yes, yes. Um, they, they can – like just uh, what's impressed me the most, because uh, I know Caruso, you know, he's always had the all-NBA – defensive potential, and I always anticipated Schroeder to switch, to be able to stick on point guards with his speed, but what's impressed me most with Schroeder is him getting switched on to wings and holding his own all year, I mean, just taking away the space and being a lot st- more stronger than I anticipated when it comes to holding his base, like, you know, you know, these big wings, they be pushing and bullying around KCP, but when Schroeder get on him, you know, they, they find it a tough time to, like, Get create separation and space on him. So yeah, I think I think KCP gives too much space to guys. Yeah. What Dennis does, Dennis gets right up under you, which just makes it real tough to operate. Yeah, I think that's like the primary difference. But yeah, I agree. Dennis has been an all NBA NBA level defender so far. So is Caruso. Yeah. I don't know if Caruso's going to get the minutes to uh to to get enough attention for it. But yeah, I definitely agree. those two have been special. Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry, I just wanted to happen real quick. Go ahead. Oh no, that's yeah, that's correct. I mean, that taking away the space and the thing with Dennis is he knows he has the speed to recover. So for him, you know, he's using that crisp ball tactic. I'm going to take away the space. I'm going to anticipate. And with Dennis, he has the split speed, which is the key. So you're not going to just be able to beat him and get a free run to no rim or a free run to your spot. He's going to recover like he did on Kemba. You know, Kemba beat him off the closeout, but he still recovered off on the step back to even contest the shot. Right. Like just off natural athleticism. So that type of natural ability combined with his – which is uh, with his uh, improved IQ defensively, 
from learning under CP3. I mean, he's coming to his own defensively. So defense is great for the Lakers this year. I think it's better this year than last year because I trust them on ball against elite perimeter scorers this year, unlike last year. Like, I know this year. 100% agree. 100% agree. I know this year they got guys who are going to stay in front of dudes this year. So uh, I like it. I like I like it this year. They just have to clean up offensively. You know, Vogel's not the best offensive coach. We knew this, but Bron's going to make it work, so it's not too big of a deal. Yeah, just piggy- piggybacking off what you said. I'm 100% with you with, with Dennis Schroeder. That's why I, I've always been against changing the starting line. I know a big thing has been the shooter need to come off the bench. I'm like, no, I think you reward the defense he's playing at least, and then the offense will fix itself as they get more rhythm as the season goes on. But you can't bench him the way he's defending or put him on the bench the way he's defending. Uh, the issue for me was late in that Boston game, I feel like the lineup was kind of clunky for spacing. I don't know why Trez was close. Trez had a good game, mind you. Yeah. I just don't understand why he was closing uh, with the way the Celtics were defending. They pretty much shrunk the floor and made it tough for uh, LeBron and AD to operate. They were playing zone, right. They were playing zone. Exactly, exactly. Moving on, I just want to talk to Where are you with last week, the big big outcry on the road trip with the um, Caruso? Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's, he very rarely plays over 25 minutes. It's been mm-hmm. mostly around 20 all season. Um, we got reports coming out. Vogel uh, was interviewed and said that it was because they tried to keep him fresh. Right. And my response is you are low managing a 25-year-old who's not a, a high-usage offensive player. So I get what they're saying, and I get that that's the end game. Where are you with, with Caruso's playing time, and what, what, what are your just opinions on that? That's well, the thing with Vogel this year, different from last year, is that um, he's attempting to play Caruso a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say that he's actively trying to find me. The fact that he trusts Caruso to close like every game now pretty much shows that he knows Caruso is is valuable. I think the thing with the minutes, honestly, I just think it comes down to the politics of, of the situation. They got a lot of guys that they got to play, and they understand that they need to play these guys just to keep, you know, just to keep the regular season chemistry afloat. Um Vogel understands they're going to win enough games anyway with the talent that they have. So he's just going to try and keep the regular season uh, chemistry intact and just do what they need to do. And then when the playoffs come, everybody's going to understand, you know, whoever gives you the best chance of winning is going to be out there. And uh, the good thing is that all the Lakers players have bought into this mentality. Like right. We heard a recent pod with Caruso and I think Duncan Robinson. Caruso was saying that, you know, and, you know, he said that I found this funny. He said Rondo was like his favorite teammate. But, uh, the, you know, the dude who was complaining was taking minutes from him. He actually loved Rondo. But he said, you know, and probably vendors for Rondo that he said, you know, regular season is cool, but he, he lives for the playoff moments. So I think Caruso's kind of adopted that playoff mentality from, like, Rondo from and from LeBron. So for in his in his mind, it's like if the as long as the Lakers take care of me and I get to do my thing uh, in the playoffs, like, he's cool. You know, he's cool with having to do what he needs to do during the regular season. As long as they pay him what he what he want would want in the off season, obviously, and he and you know and he gets to showcase his thing in the playoffs and make a name for himself in the playoffs, he's fine. I mean, he's getting branding. I mean, people know his name and all that. So it's like he's bought in. So as long as he's bought in, it's not that big of a deal, to be honest. Yeah, I was uh I was thinking about there's a number if he was to enter free agency on yeah. this off season. There's a number the Lakers would just be like. Uh, no, because I can see a team like the, the Mavericks the or, or the Raptors, the Knicks, where he fits in to exactly what they need for their mm-hmm. star players. He's a, he's a perfect complementary to a star player. Right. No usage, makes winning plays. If the shot 
sticks. He's a more of a higher end role player. Yeah, borderline, borderline starter. So I think I'm wondering what his what his what his free agency looks like this upcoming season. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I, that, he's definitely going to be flirting with 10 mil a year for sure if he keeps these shooting numbers up. And that's definitely going to be a, a price tag he's going to be looking at. So yeah, I guess it depends on what the Lakers would scoff at. I'm, I find it hard to see that he'll command 15 mil a year just because they don't play him enough for a team to take that risk. Um, but I can do see a team taking a 10 mil a year risk on him. So that's going to be up to the Lakers to try and match that type of uh, money that he's going to see in the in the market. Right, right. We'll always see how that is with the way the, the COVID is putting the kind of crunch on the on the income of what the, these teams are right. in. So where last thing I want to talk about Lakers-wise is I saw a THT getting fourth quarter minutes in those big games, mm-hmm. um, even in the in the Sixers and 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 the uh, Celtics game. Mm-hmm. Where are you with his development, and just what what, what future do you see for him? Uh, future starter, rotation guy, all star. Like, what do you think is his ceiling? Because it looks pretty high to be at age twenty. He's very skilled, very polished, footwork and finishing wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I see, I see in his future. He's, I think he's definitely going to be, um, he's definitely going to be a six man of the year next year type of type of player. I definitely can see him being the de facto six man for the Lakers if they keep, you know, Dennis and they keep KCP one more run. And I definitely see when KCP's, you know, contract is up, you know, which is after next year or he gets on that non guaranteed deal, I can definitely see DenTHTB uh, transition into the starting lineup. Uh, if you look at his uh, career trajectory, because it's going to be year three next year and he's and I project him to be a six man next year, that'll actually match Harden's trajectory. So mm-hmm. Harden, his first two years was kind of like just a regular role player. And then his third year, he had that super six-man of the year where they went to the finals. And then the year after that, he started starting. So I think THT can kind of fit that type of trajectory. And, uh, I mean, he has a skill set to be uh, an all-star uh, borderline, at least a borderline all-star type player. Uh, he can finish at the rim. He has a lot of good ha- – he has a good handle. He has good footwork. Uh, sh- kind of a streaky shot, but it's, it's reliable. And it keeps defenses honest. So it's just enough reps. And if he improves – um, and, you know, he finds his um, go-to moves, his go-to counters, and he just gets consistent. He just is able to consistently hit them. But he has, like, borderline all-star talent. Uh, he's definitely a starter in this league, in my opinion. Um, it's just about, you know, doing his development right, making sure he develops properly. Because there's no rush with him. He has – he's super young. There's no rush with him. And he's 20 years old. He could enter the draft. Yeah, he can enter a draft and be one of the youngest dudes in the draft this draft and be a lottery pick that just, that just came up. So, you know, there's no rush with him. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be on that Harden trajectory, basically, in ter- at least in terms of, you know, what role he's going to get. Not Obviously, he's not going to be James Harden. <laughs> right, that's the, yeah, for sure. I just wanted to tap in with, you know, what you thought about that because, you know, the Lakers, I think we've discussed this slightly before. I think the mistake that they're trying to avoid that the Warriors was was supplementing their core with good players, which is, you know, late. you have to hit on the late in the draft and, and G League and undrafted free agents. I think the Lakers have done an excellent job with that, and I think the Warriors kind of missed a chance to extend their window because they kept missing late in the first round and with yeah. with signing. So I think the Lakers have an opportunity to do something special here if they can keep making good supplemental adjuncts. Like I heard you people say this, on make good moves on the margins because you know that their bread and butter is going to be AD, LeBron, but just that the side dishes, if those continue to be good, I think the Lakers have a chance to kind of extend this window depending on how Brian continues to age. So I'm 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 happy with what I'm seeing so far. So 
in the preseason, you know, my pick was the Philadelphia 76ers to play the Lakers. What were your thoughts real quick before we move on? That's the game they did lose. What was your takeaway from from that game? You know, they they kind of fell asleep the whole first quarter and spent the rest of the game fighting back. So what was your thought about that Sixer game in general? What matchup problems do you see possibly that the Sixers pose to the Lakers? The Sixers are very long, so they're going to make AD and Brown work for their buckets, uh, especially LeBron with Ben Simmons and with Danny Green. Danny Green, when he's motivated, also makes does a good job staying in front of shooter. Shooter, I mean, that's the best on-ball defense I've seen Danny Green play in a minute. So, and he made some threes. <laughs> and he made threes. So. But the thing was, when the Lakers decided to turn it on, the Lakers decided to put their best closing lineup out there, they went on that run. And, and, you know, they pretty much showed they're the better team, but it's just on them to stay focused for the whole game. Um, when In the closing time when AD was on NBA, I know we get we get on uh, AD and, and being kind of soft and, like, being a physical mismatch at NB, but when AD was on NB at the cl- end of the game, I mean, you can go check the film and the numbers. NB wasn't getting nothing. Uh, they had to rely on Tobias, had to rely on Ben Simmons being aggressive, you know, Danny Green hitting shots, so. They can, I mean, they're they're better than the Sixers, and they kind of they pretty much show that. It's just about you know being focused for the whole game. You know, Vogel giving them the best shot, not playing that four forward lineup. That's literally a net negative every single time he touches the floor. So once they get rid of all that stuff, it becomes just taking care of business and executing. Right, right. Should be fun, man. I think we're gonna get. Like, I'm holding strong. It's my last year picking Philly. And if Philly don't do it this year, I'm never picking them to come out the East again. This man. is their best chance. <laughs> my, my my guy Reek been on me saying y'all need to stop getting on Philly. I'm like, bro, this is my last. This is the last year, man. This is the last year. You know, he got the mismatch on the Nets too, man. If he can't do it this year, man, I'm done. So moving on to yeah, moving on. To, that's a good segue. Moving on to the team that you already were off of a week into the season. Yeah. The Bucks. It's funny because they're literally third in net rating. There's three teams with net rating over seven in the NBA, which is pretty much means you're a dominant team. Lakers and Clippers are tied at 7.8. Mm-hmm. Bucks are at 7.3, right? So you look at that, you say, hmm, Bucks are real, but they're sitting at 11 and eight. They've had four cracks at the quote-unquote elite teams. Uh, loss to the Celtics, loss to the Lakers, loss to the Jazz, loss to the Nets. Um, so I'm at an impasse with the Bucks, where people ask me if they're a contender. Like, everything screams yes. But when mm-hmm. you watch them play against these teams that are going to be in the way, like those Final Four and Final Eight teams, they haven't been able to get wins. So they're 0-4 against those teams. They're 11-3 against everybody else. So for me, I'll, I'll give you my issue with the Bucks. Not even offensively. I hate Bud's defensive system. That thing where you kind of you overclog the paint, overfocus on helping you pretty much give up open threes. Um, I think they've been burned by it. They took two horrendous L's this past week. They got blown out by a pretty like a, a below average team in the Pelicans and an average team in the Charlotte Hornets. They fought back late, but they were down by over twenty five in both games. So, what's your ceiling for the Bucks this year? And can they wake up? And do you think they'll be able to get into that? upper echelon contenders, true contender, uh, or of teams? Yeah, so for me, you know, for me it's like I, I just don't trust I just don't trust Coach Bud. Like Coach <laughs> Bud is just not a good NBA coach in terms of in the playoffs. Um he coach Coach Bud can can get you to can get you to look good during the regular season. His scheme works in the regular season. 
But when you get to the playoffs and it's time to make the adjustments, it's time to, you know, uh, make, put the right uh, dudes on the floor and use the right defensive scheme, like you said. He just doesn't have the right defensive scheme. I mean, he's running drop coverage on dudes who want the mid-range shot like KD and Kyrie. Like, that's just not going to cut it. You have to be able to switch. You know what I mean? You're going to have to be able to switch. You're going to have to be able to trap. You're going to have to be able to rotate. And just sit in that drop coverage, man, he's just going to get killed every time. So I just don't – I'm off Coach Bud. Um, as long as he's there, I just think Milwaukee's capped. Like, for me, the roster is good enough, uh-huh. but the coach is not. So as long as that's the case, their margin for error is very little, and he doesn't know how to deal with that. So, yeah, I'm just off the bus, man. Like, I yeah, that's it, that's interesting that you brought up the defensive schemes. Mm-hmm. I feel like even the finals teams last year, the Lakers and the Heat, their biggest strengths to me was the amount of different looks they throw at you defensively. They would not let you get comfortable. I think the Lakers excelled at that, and I think the Miami Heat excelled at that. With the Bucks, you just you know what you're going to see. They're going to drop. They are going to completely pack the paint. If you have a shooter, put him out there. He's going to get left, and you have a chance to really, you know, open it up if the game comes down to that. So I'm with you on that. He's just he's not willing to adjust within a series, and um, yeah, it's unfortunate, man, because Giannis did make the commitment to them long term. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what they do with Bud after this. Actually, I'm pretty sure if they don't at least get to the finals, I'm sure this is last year coaching them. That, that That's where I think it's time for a new voice. Yeah, I need to. I think they need to move on from Coach Bud. Um, hopefully, um, they, hopefully they've learned their lesson this <laughs> season. I mean, it's, you kind of can't do anything about now, but hopefully for their sake, for Giannis' sake, they learned their lesson this season because – I just I just don't see a pass for them to, for them to go to the finals. I just don't see it. Yeah, I got the um, Philly, and I have the Nets ahead. And I'm with you, man. The more I heard you talk about, it, the more I watched the Indiana Pacers, man. That, that's that's a legit team. Like they don't have the sexy name, but they're going to be a tough out, man. That's not a team you want to play early in the playoffs, in my opinion. Just looking at how they how they play, that's not somebody you want to see early. Yeah, you know they not they not the top top of the East. But like I said, they're a tough matchup for a, a team. You know, kind of like those early 10s uh, Pacers team that had Paul George, where they were just a tough matchup for uh, for for the Eastern elites. Uh, this that's just what they kind of are right now. Like where if you they're gonna give you that size difference in size, that's uh, skill difference in size, and they're gonna exploit that if you can't if you can't handle that. So no, um, absolutely, yeah. It's, 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 I, I think they're a problem for the Nets, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm also. And we'll go on this team more as we get into a, another episode. I'm interested to see if Miami can finally get over all this COVID stuff and get a full roster on the floor. I wonder, I'm interested to see what, what they can do. You know, that's all they have to do is get in, and they're going to be a bear. It's going to be six, seven games to get rid of them anyway, just because how Spo is and how that tough that team is. So I'm interested to see if they can turn their season around as well and get in the thick of the East. Yes, sir. All right, moving on to a team that has turned around. I think we were both kind of down on this team before the season started. Not down, not like not playoff team, but we didn't think they would be a contender. But the Denver Nuggets have won seven out of ten games. Jokic started the season with 20 straight double-doubles. I was doing the research for tonight's episode. They are quietly fifth in net rating despite the horrible start they had. They blew out a scalding hot Utah Jazz team today. Are they back? Or they just hot? Yeah, I mean, it looks like they, they're back in terms of, you know, they got their offensive groove going. 
they're still going to always struggle defensively, but that seems to be more of that's going to be more of a playoff series type of thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of the regular season, they're they're back to being among the Western's top. Uh, Jokic is balling out of his mind, MVP level. Uh, you know, controlling the game on all, in all phases on offense, scoring, rebounding, passing at, at the highest level. I, th- I think he still leads the league in assists, or that's Harden. I think now it's Harden now, but you know, Jokic is still top in assists, right. and his defense has has improved. I mean, he's not. He's not as good as what people say, but he's definitely improved. You know, he's worked from being a liability to somebody who can hold his own, so, which is very good considering the type of offense he brings. So, you know, uh, Will Barnes also look, looking good from what folks are saying, looking really good. So, yeah, man, I think I think they're back in terms of being, a, a, you know, part of that Western Conference uh, discussion. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I saw somebody, I saw, I saw a stat, they've never – you know, been eliminated in less than seven, except that one uh, Laker game, one one season against the Lakers since they had Murray and Jokic together in the playoffs. My cure, I'm curious for this. This is my scenario. I want you to to, to consider and let me know what you think. So as of right now, I, I consider them a notch below the LA teams, and you know today's not great evidence. I still think the Jazz are, are a little better, <laughs> despite with today's blowout. So Nuggets have. Very good young pieces, very high-end young pieces. Let's say Bradley Bill says finally presses the free me button. Mm-hmm. Is there? Do you think that's a move the Nuggets should be aggressive with? If the if they say if they get the Bradley Bill free me button, if Bradley Bill has the free me trade me button, do you think Denver is somewhere? Denver should be a team that should be aggressive from because I think. Like I said, Jamal Murray, he's he's proven to be a, a primetime player, but I think it's just, it's Bradley Bill, <laughs> right? He's 34 games <laughs> scoring efficiently. So seeing Denver as is, I don't think they can beat any, you know, this version of the Clippers or the Lakers. What, what do you feel about that if the Bradley Bill becomes available? I think it's something they should look into if 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 they can keep one of Jamal Murray or MPJ, and then use the other plus picks and like Bobo. Um, I think it's something for them to consider to consider doing if it's there. Um, it'll at least give them the offensive firepower to match any team in the West, and then they would just have to be able to to generate enough stops uh, with the uh, with the other guys, but. Uh, I think it's something they should look forward to. If they can keep one of MPJ or Jamal uh, Jamal Murray, and, and you know package one of them with picks and with Bobo, and they can get that. I think that's something they should look into for sure. Um, I'm not sure if that's viable for them, but I think it's something worth exploring, in my opinion. Right, right. So staying with with Denver and Jokic more specifically, he's been a beast. Like I said, started the season with 20 straight double doubles, averaging 26, 12, and nine. Obviously, the big debate the last couple of years has always been the two centers at the top of their game, Embiid, Jokic. They're both playing out of their minds this season. Like I said, Embiid is probably my MVP pick as of today. Jokic is averaging 26, 12, and 9. Embiid's at 28, 11, and 3. Embiid's shooting splits are 54, 40, and 84, which is ridiculous for anybody, let alone an NBA center. And he's taking three threes a game, so even the volume is decent for the three-point percentage. I probably lean in beads and more the cutting splitting hairs here. Jokic is probably the far superior passer in bead while Jokic is better and bead is still the superior, far superior defender. And from what I've seen, so just having fun here. Who, who, who do you, who do you take and why? 
I've I've gone over this um, back and forth. You know, at first I leaned. I was like, yeah, I gotta be in B, but then I, I I thought about Jokic. I thought about the playoffs. I thought the former season. But I'm like, yeah, he's earned. He's earned him his his uh he's earned this right to be called the best five in the game. I mean, if it, if it, if somebody has Jokic over Embiid, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be upset. This is the modern day uh, Darren Williams CP3 argument. Uh, right. <laughs> Jokic, Jokic or Embiid, this is the modern day. I like and, that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. You know, where it's like people felt like, you know, Darren Williams had more of the offensive scoring advantage and he had more of the offensive uh, prowess, but the CP3 was more complete in terms of offense and defense. Um, but um, I, I, I lean Embiid. Because, like you said, I'm a big believer in defense and his elite defense, as well as his elite scoring ability, I think is something that can really lead a team to a championship. But, like I said, Jokic is is getting working himself to being uh, serviceable on defense, and he has out-of-this-world playmaking, makes all the guys around him better, and uh, he can score He can score when it matters, too. He has a better scoring average than Embiid with better efficiency in the playoffs. And uh, right. obviously there's context in that because Embiid was fighting injury and all that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, Jokic performs and he ups his performance in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's tough. But I, I leave Embiid for now. But ultimately this is going to be one of those things where the playoffs are going to determine who's the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree. Uh, I'm also with, with Embiid here just because of the defense. It used to be more clear cut for me. But, like I said, Jokic just – it's hard to deny that offensive output from the center, which we haven't seen in, in a while, just doing, be able to do anything offensively from anywhere. I think that, mm-hmm. that is, it's, it's, it's historical at this point. So I think Embiid, like I said, man, I just, I'm, I, I was super high on Philly coming into the season because I felt like uh, Maury finally gave a roster that finally complimented Joel Embiid to the best of his ability. You can still argue about the Simmons fit, but, I think it's the best you're going to be able to do with those two on the roster. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely reaping the benefit. I think at the last six games, he's averaging, I think it was 36.5. I think we, we saw the tweet and he's just going nuts uh, as of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I look forward to him. I, I was kind of upset that uh, they had the, because of COVID or whatever, that half of the team was out. We didn't even get to see the fair one when they when they had it lined up on the schedule. So hopefully next time we get to, get to witness that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we know we have a, a absolute marquee matchup this week. We got the Clippers playing the Nets on Tuesday. The Clippers, best record in the NBA, first in net rating, tied with the Lakers at 7.8. Got PG at 50, 40, 90, 24, 6, and 5. Kawhi is 26, 6, and 5. He's barely under 50, 40, 90. They're shooting 42% from three as a team, which is leading the NBA. That team is going crazy against the Nets who since the Harden trade had the number one offense in NBA history and the worst defense in, de- in NBA history, which is wild. <laughs> when you watch them play, they lost a wild game today against the hapless Wizards because they just couldn't get stops. Um, they had a Reggie Miller moment. Bradley Bill hit a three. <laughs> Harris throws away the inbound pass. Russell Westbrook finds in his hand. Westbrook hits a big three. Uh, on a side note, I felt Good for Westbrook, considering how he's played this season. It was good for him to get a little bit of revenge. I thought that Wizards team would be a seven seed this yeah. season. I think it would just, you know, it's usually been Westbrook's, Westbrook's floor. Like, he'll get you to the playoffs. 
but it's been a just a bad struggle due to COVID and just getting acclimated with new guys. So how do you see this matchup going on uh, Tuesday? So it's a big deal matchup. Yeah, I think I think the uh you know if if the Clippers get into a jump shooting battle with the Nets, then I think it could go either way. Uh, I don't I obviously the Nets aren't gonna get stops on the clip on the Clippers. The Clippers if they attack the rim, they're gonna score at will. But if they if they settle for jumpers, if they settle for long jumpers and they go cold, then you risk that shootout battle. Um Right. The Nets, the the Clippers have defenders in their starting lineup for the for the for the Nets. So, in the 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 Clippers match up with the Nets the way you would think Boston should, but Boston doesn't because offensively they're kind of handicapped. Whereas the Clippers, they have guys like Kawhi Leonard who are more seasoned at attacking the rim, getting to the line, slowing down the game. And then you have a be- much better offensive mind in Ty Lue. Yes, that's that's that is big right there. And to generate better looks, he's gonna exploit he's gonna exploit DeAndre Jordan with Sergi Baca, and he's gonna punish the lack of interior on the Nets bench with Zuba. So, to me, the Nets should not ma- the Nets don't match up with the Clippers at all on paper. On paper, the Nets are just that's like that's like a. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't really thought too much into it, but when the more I think about it, like the Clippers are really like a kryptonite to the Nets. Hmm. Just if, if you look if you look at how they're constructed, uh, Ibaka can exploit DeAndre Jordan by pulling him out from the rim, and DeAndre just gets lost in space. And Kawhi is going to attack that drop coverage and attack that rim. And then Paul George, if he's on, you know what I'm saying he's going to make life hell on the, in the pick and roll as well. And unlike the Nets. Those guys guard, you know, right. they, they guard you on the other end. So it's really not a good matchup for the Nets, but they have firepower, a lot of it. And if if the Clippers are settling for jumpers, it could get into another shootout. And that's interesting because I sent out a tweet earlier where I felt like even though the Clippers were better, I thought this was one of the teams the Nets could could beat. Because the Clippers are one of the not the not the worst, but they just they shoot the ball so well. As far as points in the paint go, they are bottom five in the NBA. I think the way the teams have been beating the Nets is where they attack inside. Like Cleveland ended up being a bad matchup because Cleveland is third in the NBA in points in the paint, and all they do is every possession we're driving or we're dumping it inside, and the Nets don't have anything for that. I'm just wondering. Like I, I like I like Zubac, I like Serge, but are those? dump it in there, guys, and can give me a bucket. I don't, I don't necessarily know, but you do make some good points about why it's a bad matchup because you got DeAndre Jordan away from the basket and having to probably worry about surge in space. And then the pick-and-roll action, he's going to have to be against, you know, Kawhi and Paul George all night. I just think the way that the Clippers play, the Nets can are a little more equipped than they are for a team necessarily like the Lakers who can punish you inside, whether it's AD in the post or LeBron in the post. So, so how do you feel about that? I I don't think they need to dump it down because if you look at it, the lack of the Nets interior also applies to like their like I said their bench and defending the pick and roll and just you penetration big, yeah penetration yeah you, yeah penetration you as a big being aggressive. I mean, if you look at the way Mo Wagner attacked their second unit <laughs> in the interior, I saw roll, I saw what you said. <laughs> he was getting dunks. Like I was like, what? When does Mo Wagner you know attack the rim like that? 
But you see what I'm saying? So if, like, Mo Wagner's doing that off the pick and roll, off the dump-offs, like, I, I mean, Zub, that's Zubak's bread and butter in terms of his game. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. His, that's, that's, what he, that's what he thrives at. So I look at, as I saw Mo Wagner destroying the second unit, I look at Zubak, I'm like, Zubak should live at that, at that rim then. Off that second unit that the Nets run in terms of interior, in terms of the starting lineup, like like uh, the Nets, like Nets fans complain about, you know, DeAndre Jordan is just terrible in space, and Serge is a yeah. you know four spacer, uh, a premium four spacer for big. So it's just bad matches on the starting end and on the bench end. You're like I said, your only hope is that you hope the Nets ISO guys just outscore the Clippers. I mean, force the Clippers to settle for jumpers and just get into a into a shootout because. That's literally their only hope because, like I said, they can't stop the Clippers consistently, but the Clippers are able to get stops on them, so they're just going to have to make it a shootout. Yeah, that's nuts to me, man, because, you know, we've talked like, ad nauseum about the Nets' defense and what it was going to look like, but to actually see it be that bad after you envisioned it in your head, like, they are they have to score 125, 130 to win games. Like, that is a necessity. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that, and I think I look at NBA history – it's just there's no precedent for winning a championship playing like that. And I heard people mention to you the buyout market. There's no buyout candidate that's going to bring your defense defense to, to average. And I, I'm with people. I was like, if the Nets can get just to an average defense, they are the best They are the best team. But yeah. they're not even close to average. It's 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 worse than NBA history. In the history yes. of the NBA, they, they since can't. The, since the trade, they have the worst defensive rating that would be ever recorded in NBA history. That's no buyout. Yeah. No buyout guys bring you from that to average. Yeah, like, so I said I was like, I, we we're on the same. Way. They can just get the way their offense is. They just get an average defense. They, they yeah. nobody can beat them. Yeah, but it's it's bad, man. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. That should be a, a fun one to watch. Moving on to something kind of non basketball. So the Warriors played played the Pistons <laughs> the yeah. uh, the other night. It was it was, it was a blowout. It wasn't a competitive game. The uh, Clay Thompson was doing guest commentary. It was pretty funny for, for for the most part. So at the end of the game, there was a tiff. Uh, Roddy Magruder ran over to, uh, I'm not gonna say fight. NBA players don't fight. Just to 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 confront <laughs> the Warriors, the Warriors uh, players. It was uh, Juan Toscano Anderson was the guy he had an issue with, and Clay said something kind of controversial. He was like, I don't know what he's mad for because he's going to be out the league. He's not that good. And it inspired a lot of, on both sides of it, a lot of vitriol about whether or not that was okay for Clay to say. I thought you had some interesting things. I want to talk about it. What, what did you feel about whether it was inbounds, out of bounds, or kind of towing the line? How did you feel about that whole situation? I think it's one of those things that uh... – like it was funny as a fan to hear, but like when I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, you're kind of they're kind of right in that you don't want to say that on like and on like an announce like when you're an announcer, right? right. I mean, like 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 if he would have said that and there was no like there was no like media like putting on a megaphone to say it, he was just saying in the heat of the battle, like that's different, right? You're on the court, you battling, you're saying that, but he's like. He's like with media members, and with like with on the announcers table saying that like that's like a different dynamic. I I I understood that dynamic like and like somebody else was saying like uh, I think it was Miles Brown. He was saying on the timeline he's like and then what if somebody tries to one up him, you know, through the media and stuff. Right. 
and it just, it just gets out of control. Whereas, like, at least on the court, you can hide it from, you know, the general public, and it, and, and it won't have to escalate. You know what I mean? You can handle it on the court with the refs, with the league behind the scenes, all that. You know what I mean? Like, Car- Kevin, G- Kevin Garnett said what he said to Melo, right? But that's not something that's, like, a national thing because right, it was right, right. Now, imagine if he said that at the announcers table. You know what oh, I mean? Man. That's like oh, a man. whole that's just like a whole different dynamic. So I understood it from that aspect that it probably shouldn't have been said like that. And then Draymond did what he did in the interview. Like that's just going to the media to do it. And like I, I get that aspect like keep it on the court. I I get that aspect. That's why I understand that part. Yeah. You know initially I was kind of like, whoa. Um, it, it's funny, like you said, it's, it's entertaining. And part of me is like torn because it's like, it's kind of what we ask for. How many times we see guys, man, I, I would pay to have a, you know, just an unfiltered mic on the court just to hear what they're talking mm-hmm. about. And then when but when it kind of happens, people were kind of up on ours. But you, like you did say, it was on the on a announcer's mic calling the game and not on the court. So that kind of changed it up a little bit. Uh, I just – I was just had a like flashing back to NBA history, just thinking about the different things that I've seen said. Right. I just popped in my head like Kobe, RIP, rest his soul. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the media portion of practice. He walked off the court. It was very pretty much telling Mitch Kupchak, "It's like they can't do shit for me, Mitch. <laughs> it's like what, what are we doing here?" And he pretty much called the entire team like trash in front of the GM in open portion of the media session. And it's like. I understand where the people were coming from, but a lot of it was like the the, the pocket watching thing. I'm like, mm, I can see, but nobody is going to sign or cut Rodney Magruder based on something Clay Thompson said. That's kind of where I was at with that. But I did understand people kind of raising their eyebrows at what was said. Right. I mean, if anything happens to Magruder, it's off his play note mostly. I mean, Clay wasn't campaigning to get him cut or anything right. like that. But I do get what his comment how what his how his comments came across with the outlet he used to get them. So now, I just understand it. Uh, just keep it on the court, I guess that's 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 my takeaway. All right. We're gonna remix it. We got a few more times here. We got we're gonna freestyle us a little bit. So we had this on the docket but we moved up to we wanted to talk about Embiid and in in Joe in Joker before while it was hot, well, because it was a hot thing, they're both playing out of their minds. But we have—I feel like we have to talk about the Luka Doncic uh, situation right now, because last year they make the playoffs, they come in as a sexy pick for everybody to, you know, top four seed, you know, knock off one of the big dogs potentially get to the second round. How do you feel about just the Luka discourse in general? Was he possibly anointed too early? Because I, I remember that was the things for me. He he got put over guys who consistently take their teams to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I saw, you know, guys I respect. Shout out Nakias talking about he's going to be better than Steph this year. And what what are you seeing from Luca and the Mavericks in general? And what how do you feel about the discourse around him in response to that? I think he he's he's hit that wall with his play style and. uh He's not a good enough shooter to play like that. Twenty nine percent. I had people tell me he was better than James Harden. Like the way he plays is the is the is what James Harden perfected. You, you know what I mean? Like the way <laughs> right. he played is literally what James Harden perfected. He's not better than than the original copy. Um, 
and, and you see why because he can't really shoot. You know, what I mean, he's a he he's he can't shoot. He has a shot selection of somebody who can shoot. You know, and uh, it's for the Mavericks. It's just too much. It's too predictable because I mean, I get he's has highly intelligent. He's one of the best playmakers we have in this league. But it, it gets too predictable when you're just spamming pick and rolls all day, can't shoot, so you can't keep the defense honest all the time. And the other guys are mainly just standing there, like you said, or playing, you know what I'm saying, or like, you know, uh, getting just trying to get spoon-fed. Like, Porzingis doesn't even look like a, like a you know, an all-star caliber player sometimes anymore. Like Channing Fry out there, man. Is nuts. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, so the play style caught up to him. Um they're just going to really just have to break everything down and try to, uh, you know, they're going to have to try and uh, get Luca to clean up bad habits. And uh, that's the only way he's going to take that next step. People were anointing him off what they projected him to be, um, not off what he's accomplished. That was the problem. Everything with Luca is about what is to come in people's heads and not what he's already done. Yeah, what he's already done is he's, he's shown that he's a borderline top 10 player. He's shown that he has a bright future in this league. But he hasn't shown that he's a top five player in this league. Uh, he hasn't shown that he's better than, like, the Dame Lillards, the uh, Jokic, the Embiid's. He hasn't shown that yet. Can he be that? Of course. He has a talent, but he hasn't shown that yet. So yeah, That was crazy. I saw you caught a lot of flack because you, got him, you had him 11th, and people were kind of up in arms because you said you had him, I think it was 10th or 11th, right, when you were doing your – a player list and people give you a lot of, a lot of flack for that. I agree, man. It was just a, a lot of early, early anointing. And then like I said, I, I, I never got involved in the Luca Trey stuff, but <laughs> you can see those people saying, yeah, I kind of told you so when it's not, when you don't have the same level of, of help around you and shout out Joseph Gill. I saw him put this on the timeline. He said the big difference between Dallas this year and last year is that Dallas had a historically good bench. Mm-hmm. It was like once in a decade, like you almost never see a bench production for them when the, when the star's off the floor. It's like once in a decade thing, and they've kind of regressed back to the mean. And that's been the primary thing that's kind of keeping them in, down. My question now is, do you think they recover and make the playoffs? Because the West is, is loaded pretty much. you got 13 teams out of 15 gunning for 14, really, because OKC is better than what we thought they would be. you got 14 out of 15 teams gunning for 10 spots. It's going to be hectic. Do you think they can get into the top ten and then maybe the top eight? They're twelfth, they're thirteenth right now. I mean, they can definitely be a playing team, and then from there you can always make the playoffs. There, in terms of being a high seed, oh, no. I don't see it for them anymore. <laughs> in terms of maybe they can hit the fifth, fourth seed miraculously, but uh, that top three seed is, is a pipe dream. Uh, at this point, they just need to worry about making the playoffs and getting in. That's their, should be their focus. They have the talent to get in. They have the talent to, like, at, at bare minimum, be a playing team, which they'll probably be the most dangerous playing team that the, in the Western Conference at that point. But um, that should be their focus, just making the playoffs at this point. Um, you know, they're not a contender. And there's habits they're going to have to change with Luka so that they can be a contender. So They got to get them off the ball a little bit. I think – the biggest mistake, I think we both lamented this, is when they let when they made that Seth Curry trade, mm-hmm. he did a lot for them off the ball or on the ball, even with Luca on and off the on and off when he was on and off the court, he gave him a, a, just another playmaker, 
and he was a top, obviously a top stop shooter. So we'll see what happens with the Dallas Mavericks. Just wanted to touch on that. All right, you guys, you can follow me on Twitter, JJ Maple fifty five underscore MST. Follow it's Kings, bro. Uh, yes, tonight was uh, if you <laughs> if you see me here this tomorrow, go ahead and review the uh, the, the the night's festivities. <laughs> All right, man. And if y'all follow me, man, just go ahead and ignore that extra drama, <laughs> man. They wild on that app. Oh, man, like, I'm just saying you could do better. Bro, they – I'm going to have to uh, – uh, That's, 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 that's all we're going to say. All right, you guys, yeah. be safe out there. Take care of you and yours. We are out of here. Tap in with us next week. We appreciate you guys for listening. God bless. We out of here. <laughs>